Hi, Shannon Waller here, and welcome to the Inside Strategic Coach Podcast with Dan Sullivan. Dan, we were talking before the show, and you made a great comment. You said, entrepreneurism is not rational. (laughs) And I just love that statement, and I think it's completely true. But can you explain what you mean by entrepreneurism is not rational? Well, I go back to basic definitions here that in 1804, a French what we would call an economist today. They didn't back then because there were no credentials for economists. A man by the name of Say, S-A-Y, Jean-Baptiste Say from France, said that entrepreneurs are individuals who take any kind of resource and make it more valuable. And he was asked, what kind of resource? And he said, well, any kind of resource. It doesn't matter. Anything that people any kind of activity that is already being done to produce a certain kind of result, they take a look at the activity and they say, you know, there's a better way of approaching this and we'll get a much bigger result out of it. And I'm so clear and I'm so confident about this that I'll bet my present level of success that a new level of success is possible. And I think it's a betting activity. And that means that the motivation for this is not coming out, that you've noticed a lot of people out there want this. It's basically that if I create this, people will discover that they like this better than the way that they're uh, doing it right (laughs) now. So it's intuitive. It's not available from the environment. The environment is telling you, well, this is how things get done. And you're questioning the environment. You're looking at the patterns of activity and how people organize themselves and how they produce in the marketplace. They produce products. They produce services. They produce experiences. And where there's not any real movement in the society, it's because everybody says, well, everybody already knows how to do everything that's necessary for the present, and actually that's not even true, is that they know everything that is good for the past. And most learning is really about the past, it's not about the future. Entrepreneurism is the only experience that's actually about the future. It's the only learning experience where the experience actually gets created between a unique relationship between yourself and who you are and what you're capable of doing and a future desirable result that's much bigger, probably bigger, better, and different from anything else that exists. And you have the confidence, first of all, to follow through in actually creating this new type of experience. And you have to do it on your own time. You have to do it with your own money. You have to do it with your own resources. And then you create it, and then you go out in the marketplace and say, I've got something bigger and better here. It's really, really different. You might be right, you might be wrong, but you don't blame the marketplace for not accepting your new idea. It's up to you to be persuasive enough to get people to, as I say, write checks for this. I use check writing as one of my foremost signs of reality. (laughs) I mean, there's lots of people who think that they've got a great talent, but nobody wants to pay them for their talent. They create new things, but nobody wants to buy them. I take that as reality. (laughs) Uh It's like the law of gravity, you know. You can disagree with gravity, but you'll find out very quickly that gravity is a reality outside of yourself. And the marketplace, 
whether people actually want what you are creating, whether they think that you're a useful, valuable person, that's a reality outside of yourself. That's in other people's response to you. That's my whole thesis there. And it's an intuition, it's an inspiration, it forms in the imagination of a person. And, you know, I mean, probably in the last 50 years, the individual who is in the top of people we remember as being really good at this is Steve Jobs, who took advantage of the work of a lot of other people who had intuitions and inspirations about a whole new way of achieving results in the late 20th century and certainly in the 21st century that there's this new system which is called digital communication and we can do all sorts of things that have never been done as quickly, as easily, as cheaply, much less expensive and produces much bigger results. Huge bets, huge bets on this. But Steve Jobs had this thing that I'm not creating things that people already know they need. I'm creating something that, once they see what I've created, realize that they need this new thing. Right. He wasn't a real cutting-edge technology person. He usually took technologies that already existed. Those are the resources that Jean-Baptiste Say talks about with entrepreneurs. He took a thing called an MP3 player, for example, which were already in existence out in the marketplace, MP3 players, digital recording devices. And then he took a new thing called the Internet, a brand new capability in the world. And he took a particular field of human activity, which is as old as history itself, which is music. And he said, you know, the way we're doing music right now, it seems not entirely satisfactory. In other words, that if you really hear a song done by an artist and you want that song, the way it works right now, you have to go to a store and you have to buy a package that's got 12 songs on it. And in order to get the one you want, you have to pay for 11 that you don't necessarily want. And he said, if I put MP3 players, better yet if the MP3 player after a certain point does a lot of other things, and I take the internet, and we take the music and digitize it, then you can download just the one song you want. As a result, Apple changed the entire model of how music is created, how music is organized, how music is presented, and how people can access just the music that they want. Not only that, but save it at a remarkably lower cost, much more easily, totally changed the entire cultural model, which then spread to movies. Netflix Mm -hmm. is a great example. But it's the Steve Jobs model of seeing that, yeah, people love music. I've never really met a lot of people who don't like their favorite music. (laughs) And we can make this faster, easier, cheaper, and give them a much bigger bang for their buck by doing it this new way. And it transformed the world. I mean, Apple's the number one distributor of music on the planet. Mm -hmm. And I mean, people say, well, computers. Well, it wasn't about computers. It's what, if I create this new way of getting something that we know they already need, it's going to be a big deal. That's intuitional. That's not rational. (laughs) 
No, it's not, but it's... Rational is becoming a lawyer who's in charge of a large recording company that distributes music the old way. That's rational. (laughs) Okay. I love it. To me, a bit of a clue here is what you said about questioning the environment. Mm -hmm. So it's taking that step back and a little bit like, okay, what's working here? What isn't working here? It seems a bit awkward or hard. How could I make it easier? That's a neat clue for that. Another point about this whole entrepreneurism is not rational point that you've made before is that sometimes you can end up with the need for certain security blankets because as you go through that experience of testing things on Mm -hmm. the marketplace and sometimes they're successful, but sometimes they're not. You've talked about entrepreneurs sometimes having a circumstance that they will absolutely never, ever want to return to. So they have little blankies, pockets of security that they have to have. Can you share a little bit about that? Because when I first heard you say it, it was like, aha, I've had so many conversations about quirky little things that people do. It's kind of like consider it almost scar tissue, but it's a way to never be in an uncomfortable position again as an entrepreneur. No, I'll share my blankie with the world here. <laughs> And Blanky goes back to an incident that I had when we moved when I was two years old. It coincided with the dog, who was my first dog in life, Toby. You know, he was a black and white mutt. And he died. So we moved from the city to the country to a farm, and Toby died. And the only thing that was left was the blanket that was in Toby's where he slept at night. He had a blanket. So I didn't like the move. I didn't want to go, but I took Toby's blanket with me. And my mom, understanding that this was security for me, made sure I had the blanket. And then she would try to get it for me so that she could actually clean it because I dragged it around. And the interesting thing about it is that finally she hit on a solution was she would cut the blanket in half, and there would always be a clean one. (laughs) But it was Toby's ah. I'd have it in my hand, and I'd have my thumb in my mouth, and I'd walk around, and life was good. I was in new circumstances, but I, I had my security blanket. By the way, I'm not unusual in this. I've found that there's a carryover to the general population, that we have these things that we really hold on to. I had a mouse mousy and blanket, just so you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These things are important in life. I mean, the world changes enough in unpredictable ways. There's got to be something that stays the same. All through life, I've had a garment which served as my blankie, and I have really terrific fleece jackets. And when I go on the airplane, it's my blanket, you know, (laughs) because the planes are oftentimes a bit chilled and you know, I curl up under my blanket and I feel really great. That's just one example in my life, but the particular incident that I'm referring to from an entrepreneurial standpoint had to do when I was betting in the early days of Strategic Coach. And I was so short of cash one day that I had to borrow money for my meals that day. And it was a great, great lesson to me that I had not organized my life correctly that I could have food and that I would have to borrow money. I was so short of cash. And I said, this will never happen again to me in my life. And the particular vehicle that I used to carry out you know, my adult version of the blankie, in addition to my fleece jacket, <laughs> is my ATM account. And I have a massive, massive 
totally irrational amount of money in my ATM account at all times, and it's in a checking account. I'm not even getting interest on it. <laughs> you know, I'll go. I just went and got a fill-up. You know, I got cash. And the other thing is I really like cash, you know. I mean, I do a lot of things with credit cards and things are done electronically, but I like the feeling of cash. I kept this very, very quiet for a long time, and it was just at a lunchtime at a workshop where I brought this up as my kind of irrational security of having this big cash pot as a result of my ATM, and people say, well, I've got something like that, too. Oh, I do that, too. And it turns out that almost every entrepreneur had a something that they did. could be a ritual. They do a ritual every day, or, you know, they just have a way of proceeding. But it's a reminder of how bad it was once at an earlier situation in juncture, usually at the beginning of their entrepreneurial career, where they put in place a strategy that absolutely guarantees that that bad experience could never happen again. Mm-hmm. You know? Oh, that's so fun. Well, and it's interesting about that, because I think all of us have different security blankies, and I'm, I'm wearing one right now. It's really about surrounding yourself with confidence. Yes. So that you never have to go to that, you know, <laughs> sheer terror moment. And I think we all do that. And as you can supply people and circumstances and rituals and ATM pots of money, that's a way of giving you confidence, because with that confidence, anything is possible. But without confidence, nothing is. Yeah. And it's very, very important that you're doing it for your own unique reasons. It's not subject to the judgment of the world outside of you, of whether this is a good idea or not a good idea. This is your own internal requirement for personal confidence on a daily basis, it flows over to, you know, your lifestyle, but it flows over to the style in which you actually operate your business. And I really am very biased towards what I would call elegant informality. Ooh. And if you take a look at any of the strategic coach offices, you'll notice that they're kind of comfortable. They're kind of comfortable. There's a lack of formality about them. And we've kind of hit on sort of a style. Strategic coach has kind of a style. You know, the example that everybody who's in coach right now is getting, I really like cartoons. I'll give you another example of a comfort point for me, and that's cartoons. I really like when information is communicated in a cartoon form. So all the little books, so I have a goal, a 25-year goal of producing a brand new book every quarter that is very short on copy and almost overwhelming in terms of cartoons. And I have a cartoonist, a dedicated cartoonist. I love his style. And I call his style dangerously cute. <laughs> in other words, you look at the cartoons and you have to smile with them because they have a cute quality about them. But the ideas they're communicating are actually kind of dangerous in the sense that after you read the text and read the cartoon, your thinking will change. And if that's dangerous to you, then this is a dangerous communication format that we do. There's a great, great response to this on the part of not only the clients, but actually the people that they give the books to. And we found a very comfortable, reassuring medium of communication. And you wouldn't do it. In other words, I can tell clients who say, well, 
where can I get a cartoonist like that? And I said, well, are you getting the cartoonist because you have a deep need to communicate in cartoons or you've watched what somebody else did and seemed to work for them, so you want to do it? I said, that's not a confidence zone for you. You have to find the thing that gives you confidence. That This is something that gives me great confidence. I like it. I've never actually thought of us as having a style, but we definitely do. Mm-hmm. And I love the informality of it, but it's still elegant. It's still put together. It's still thoughtful. It's also got some humor and color and fun. You know, there's a playfulness to so much of Coach and how we, you know, we like to have fun as we're being successful. I think playfulness is another thing. I like to play, mm-hmm. you know, and I could never tolerate working in a large bureaucratic organization because you can say a lot of things about it, but I can tell you it's not fun because <laughs> I've talked to people who work there and it's not fun. You walk into them and they're not fun places. They're serious places. And I said, uh, profits are serious, you know, <laughs> growth is serious. The surroundings in which I achieve profits and we achieve success, that's going to be cozy and comfortable. <laughs> I love that. So, Dan, we've talked about how entrepreneurism is not rational and it's very intuitional, and then also how it's wise to have some areas of real confidence and comfort so that you can have that platform as a basis. So any other coaching you would give in terms of how people can take action on our ideas from today? Yeah, well, the big thing is to take your goals seriously. There's two areas. There's your business goals, and there's also your lifestyle goals, have a rule that you will achieve the goals that you want, not the goals that other people tell you you should want, okay? You know, I've been at this for as long as I can remember that I'll create my way of operating in the world according to what I want, not what other people say is wantable or, you know, that you should want. And that really covers all areas of life, you know. It's how I take in information, what kind of information do I like taking in, relationships, who do I like hanging out with. It takes in every part of my life, but it's ignoring what other people say is fashionable or trendy or to be respected out in society. This is what it has to look look like. I couldn't care less. And you just get in the groove, you know, of doing that. So after a while, it never occurs to you to pay attention to what other people think you should want, should being the giveaway that it's not something that you own. You know, I remember talking to someone, we take a lot of free time. The other thing is we take a lot of free time and we push it in coach. And it goes against the entire concept of rationality. Babs and I for 25 years have taken off. If you add them up, it's the equivalent of 22 weeks of free days every 52 weeks. So out of every year, we take 40% of the year off for free time. And they said, well, if you cut that in half and took 11 weeks and applied it to business, your results would be a lot bigger. And I said, first of all, that's very debatable because during those 11 weeks that I was working, I would say, well, why am I not taking these as free time? Because that's a value for me. But the other thing is that it gives me incredible endurance in my entrepreneurial life in the sense that I'm not trying to get to a point where I get to stop working and then take free time. I took the free time right from the beginning, and we've become unusually productive 
for two owners of a company who take 40% of the year off. Mm-hmm. We instill this in our clients. Our clients all take massive amounts more free time than other people who are not in coach and who get the same results. Our entrepreneurs get the same results, but working far less as part of a system of really wanting what you want. Mm, I love that. Dan, I really appreciate these insights into entrepreneurism and how people can kind of expand that in their own life. And I also appreciate the whole idea of the necessity of having a security blanket. That's quite fun. I appreciate that. Toby's ah. I still have it. I have the fleece jacket, which is a direct descendant of Toby's ah. <laughs> Through many, many other garments going back to two years old. I love it. Thank you. Thank you.